and welcome everybody to the Father, the Daughter, and the Holy Podcast. Join my father, Rabbi Avi Horowitz, and myself, Ayelet, as we discuss relevant and meaningful ideas and topics inspired by the weekly Torah portion. This podcast is not religiously exclusive. No matter what religion you practice, please feel free to join us as we glean timeless Torah wisdom to help us better navigate the world we live in today, or simply put, just to give us something to think about, because that's always really awesome. So let's get schmoozing. Hello and welcome everybody to another episode of the Father, the Daughter, and the Holy Podcast. We are going to be discussing a very interesting topic, something that we all like to ask, but um, maybe we're not really understanding what the point of asking this question is. Um, so let's bring down from the cloud, as my father says, <laughs> some ideas so that we can discuss and have some interesting conversation as to the why. Why is always a big question. Why do we do this? Why not something else? Why? 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 Right. You know that guy, I'm going to look here at my phone for a second. Um, I forgot his name, but he had like a big... He made a big splash on Ted, and he had that talk about the importance of why. If oh, he, Simon Sinek. Sinek, right? Yeah, that's a great one. So that that in every organization you need to know the why, and if even though it's probably the harder question to ask. Because people want, don't buy what you want, what you're selling; they buy why you're selling it. Exactly. Once you know the why, then you can do the how and the what, or the what and the how. So why is a big is a big question. And what we want to discuss today is what is the role of why, asking questions and understanding reasoning, in in, in religion. There are basically um, two um, very very basic uh, positions a person can take. There's either divine law, complete divine law, or there is something called natural law. Uh, divine law would seem to indicate that. It's from the divine, and therefore one might be tempted to say that there's really no reason then in having reason, our reasoning ascribed to it, because it's actually divine. So what in the world could we possibly say? How could, how could we know what the reason is, if that's the purpose of reasoning? <clears throat> if the purpose of reason is to get to the bottom of what the motivation was to divinate something or to ordain something or to command something. So then that would be a useless endeavor, right? That's one perhaps radical way of looking at it, but that's certainly one way that can, uh, can be found in amongst religious thinkers in any, in any religion. If it's divine law, then it doesn't, it doesn't have reason and it shouldn't have reason because it's divine. I'm saying because we're running with the assumption then that whatever is divine isn't meant to be understood? It's not only that it wasn't meant to be, it's that it can't be. Because you might be able to, It's there's two words here I guess we can throw in here that's important to use to understand this type of conversation. One is to know the motivation for something and to know the purpose of something. Like I can build a building and you can see the purpose of the building. Right, right. You can see that. You can see it's there to house people and offer shelter. Does a lot of stuff. 
but you will won't know the motive that I had for building that building mm-hmm. unless you'll assume that I'm a human and generally speaking humans do it for this reason right but if I'm God you won't know why I'm building that building I could have an infinite amount of reasons why I'm I'm motivated to to build that building or to make that command right because God is infinite so you don't know what God is m- motivated by right but you could you can but the second aspect would be you can try and understand what the usage of it would be right okay so the be. question is what are we going to ascribe or 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 what are we going to um where in what hole are we going to put the, the idea of reasoning is reasoning about understanding ultimately um the motivation for this command or 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 something that comes out in the in the in the bible or or some something like that or um it, or or is it a, a, actually an exercise in purpose mm-hmm. it's an exercise in reasoning what the purpose of it is once it's here once it's given to us what purpose does it serve okay maybe we can start a bit of a step back though is it important to reason <clears throat> some some people there i'm sure there are plenty of people who like kind of go with that thread of thought of you know, don't ask questions you don't need to understand that it's this this is what it is so just do it um so are you are we saying that there is a value in reasoning within within Torah Judaism right it's i guess a different way of phrasing it i'm i'm trying to take it from more of a higher philosophical perspective first to see what the categories are So if you have divine law so one can argue that there's no point in reasoning about the law mm-hmm. because it's divine if there's if it's natural law which means even if you want to say that there is a divine source but the the divine source is just revealing to us what nature um would prescribe so you lost me there why the word nature Yeah, but it, you're saying that it's a different category but it sounds the same. No. It's that if I tell you um let's say you don't know how your cell phone works, right? Probably you don't. If you had to make a cell phone, you wouldn't be able to make it, right? No way. Okay. So <laughs> So let's but but you could know it. Right? It's it, human beings made the cell phone so you could know it, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. So let's say I come to you and I reveal to you how to make a cell phone, right? These are the laws of making a cell phone. I've just revealed it to you. Okay, so I'm revealing to you what what we could say is natural law. Or do you need to do this if if the purpose of your whole existence is to make cell phones? So now I'm going to reveal to you how to make a cell phone. Now, when you say, "Well, why do I have to make a cell phone like this?" You know, I could I, I why don't I do it some other way? Well, because assuming like I'm divine, right? So I'm telling you this is the way to make a cell phone this is the best way to make a cell phone but the the why I'm telling you to do it is because ultimately you're you're trying to make a cell phone and and cell phone has its own purpose and its own usage for humans and you can see it you can understand why and you could and if you probably thought about it for enough time with uh, I don't know however many a team of uh, experts you'd come you know if everybody forgot how to make cell phones they would probably reinvent making a cell phone the point is it's it's reachable through human wisdom through human endeavor thought they can get to it it's it's a natural law right maybe it's it's uh 
it's presaged, right? But it, it so so let's say let's let's say like this, right? A natural law. What would be in a, na- a natural law? The, the, this week's portion of the reading is mostly full of natural laws, laws that, if it wouldn't have been divine, humans either did or would have come up with it, or could come up with it. Okay. Okay. Like, do not fill in the blank. Steal. Right. Do not steal. Do not kill. Um, and a lot of other laws. And derivatives of those laws that come up in this week's Torah for a, a reading, um, which is about um, consideration for other people's property, tort law, damages, etc. Right? Um, what other types of responsibility you have for other people's things? Um, amongst the things that are natural law, there are some laws that are thrown in that perhaps we wouldn't come up with, but perhaps you could even call them natural law. For example, the in Israel, now we're in the sabbatical year. So the sabbatical year is that you can't work the land on the seventh year. Now, if you think about it, that's like a nice law. I think even from a farming perspective, it's kind of understood today that it's good to get give the soil a rest, so to speak, right? Just to enhance its own... Uh, you know, the minerals and that's uh, its growing power. So a person could justify it and say there's purpose to it. Perhaps you wouldn't come up with it on your own and insist that everybody does it, right? Because if there's no God or divine or there's no divinity involved that that's, uh, is make, giving it a greater purpose, so then perhaps you wouldn't come up with it, but you can understand a lot of it. It's not like, you know, mm-hmm. right? as opposed to some other divine laws that are clearly divine laws that you could also find a minority in this week's Torah reading, but you could still find some examples of those in, in this in this port, in this Torah reading. Um, <clears throat> um, you're, you know, you're going to basically um, say that when it comes to natural law, um, we're going to have to ask the question, well, if it's a natural law, then why is it, and does it have a divine source? Why didn't just God let us figure it out? Right, that was what I was thinking. <laughs> right. Like, well, if they really were natural, then why why did God mention them at the beginning? I have a feeling, even though maybe we could have eventually gotten there because we have the potential to think about that, I don't think we would have thought about these things on our own. Right. Well, here's an example. <laughs> here's an example. Of what the what the the category of the, of the, in, in, in Hebrew is a chok. For example, eating meat and milk together also come, comes up in the portion. There's certain ritualistic laws that have to do with the holidays um, that that were that the, the Torah commands us to do. Right. So those are laws that are ritualistic or more of divi- clearly divine source because, it, honestly speaking, nobody would come up with the idea of not mixing milk and meat, and we haven't heard of such a thing, even you know after. Um, you know, the sophistication of the world after the Industrial Revolution and the technological age and, and science and the growth of... Well, the so fad much... diets having come out with a meat and milk situation. Right, I haven't heard it. <laughs> and let's just assume that nobody would ever come up with it, right? Mm-hmm. So it's so that would mean it's a divine, it's clearly a divine law. Now, if we talk about not eating milk, meat and milk together, what do we do with it? So on, on the side of the divine law, um, we want to know, is there a purpose in us knowing what the reason is? Should we be asking, what's the reason for this? Or should we just say, well, this is divine. So the way we do it the best is by asking ourselves why 
It's just it just is because we can't know why. Right? So that's one side. Like I'm just putting it back mm-hmm. into the way we started. And now on the other side, we can ask, like you said, natural law. If something is natural, why is it there in the Torah? Right? Why does the Torah have to tell us? Um, well, you know, if you take upon yourself the responsibility for watching someone's bicycle, um, you know, you're going to have to pay for it if uh, somebody steals it, if you uh, left it out in the rain or whatever, if you left it outside or where you left it in the rain and it got damaged, so then you're going to have to pay for it. There might be, you know, a lot of uh, brains amongst human beings that would figure out that you need to do that anyway. So then the question on that side of things would be why is the Torah introducing these laws as from a divine source, right? And don't forget that in the portion, these all these laws, um, especially in this week's Torah reading, are sandwiched into the experience at Sinai, the experience of the receiving of the Torah. So, so like these are the showcase laws that the Torah is saying, you know, um, and even according to some sources, this is what actually is read to the Jewish people as an example of what the Torah says, so, so that they can say, oh, this, you know, these laws, we, we want to accept them, right? We accept them, Nasev and Ishma will do them, and we will um, understand them. So that's kind of where we're going. This idea of understanding, what does that mean, right? Mm-hmm. The idea of understanding that we're, are we charged really to echo and to copy the the echo of that those words, we will do and we will understand it means are we charged to understand the laws even the divine laws or is it just some of the laws in other words if a law let's say argue argue arguably say arguably um for argument's sake a person can say this is a natural law given as a natural law you can see it you can feel this natural law so therefore it's given to us in a way that we should understand it because um we could have come up with it perhaps on our own sometimes Authors call that mitzvah sikhli. Uh, it's, it's an intellectual, it's something reasonable on its own. It stands on its own feet. In other words, were it not have had a divine origin, it would have come out of nature, so to speak. Right. I, it could have, but I just doubt it. Okay, so you're already, you're already you know, bordering on, on, a, on, a, on an approach. You're saying it needs to be commanded because... Uh, people don't necessarily um, believe all the things that they come up with, and they certainly don't want to enforce things on themselves. We're talking don't... about morality here, more than laws. The so laws are enforcing law. morality. So you need it to be a law that just, it's kind of telling us as human beings as, as a whole, saying, you know, take yourself seriously. If you think this is something that society should be run with, or these are you know, um, activities that should not be engaged in, that's true. Like, I'm like, take yourself seriously and make it part of a system and and, um, and uh, enforce it. Enforce it because this is going to be, you know, the secret to maintaining a good society. Right. Right. So I, I think that. that's where, it, I think, I think that's where it stems. I think one of the biggest gifts of, of our, our, you, you, as, I'll just say, call them natural commandments, is that, like you're saying, maybe we could have come up with them on our own at some point, but I highly doubt it. And they're all about um, creating a moral frame that is eternal. 
like there's especially now it's morality seems a little bit fleeting you know what was totally unacceptable a couple years ago is now endorsed and and promoted um and and i think it's it's fundamental then to have um god given divine mor- moral direction because otherwise <laughs> we could have come up with it oh. but who's to say that we're going to keep to it Okay, that's one reason. I thought you were going somewhere else. Also, there's another reason that's classically given, which is um, even if we can come up with stuff, but there's a lot of new stuff within the stuff that is being innovated in the divine law, right? So in other words, um, if you go into the nitty-gritty of, of uh, or not so such nitty-gritty, but if you go into the details of a lot of the laws that we would say, oh yeah, that makes sense. But a lot of the details, like the devil's in the details, in the sense that like um, the details of the that are prescribed in the Torah are are not necessarily what we would come up with. Whereas we we until we struggle, if we say, okay, you cannot kill, okay, and and humans, let's say, would arrive. No, humans did not arrive at that idea. <laughs> I mean, they they, they probably. You know, I would say in earlier civilizations, it kind of was, I, I don't know, I wasn't there, and I haven't really read historically about it, what people's attitudes were to murder, but I, we assume that in the Bible, let's say it says that, you know, it was considered to be bad, you know, Cain killed his brother, that wasn't a good thing, right? And, he, and if he didn't figure it out then, he was certainly, he certainly understood it after God reprimanded him. The human sacrifice has always been like a thing, even after the giving of the Torah and stuff like. Oh right, so exactly. So even if people said, "Oh, well, you can't murder people," right. and you know, it's one of the seven Noahide laws that we 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 can arguably say was became a fabric of the morality of of the society of, of the world. Let's say, um, but there's then there's the but, you know, you know, you can't kill unless. Um, your neighbor really gets on your nerves, and then it's for a divine purpose. Yeah, and then there's a you know there's a family clan issue here, and there's honor at stake, and then there's territory. Kill us, right? Or right, the sense of of you know self defense, or mm-hmm. let's say in our day, you know, when it's already been accepted that murder is wrong. Okay, but can you? Commit, can you commit or can you do euthanasia? Oh, I was going to say, we're going go, to go into this. <laughs> oh, seriously. Triggers! I mean, there, there is no one uh, who represents Torah that will say you're allowed to do euthanasia. You're not allowed to kill somebody, even if the person desires it. You're not allowed to kill them. That's, the sanctity of human life in the Torah is uh, foremost. A, uh, the greatest ideal in the Torah. And... Um, Right, things like that. So in other words, you can see that if it's not prescribed exactly how to carry out these uh, bigger ideas or these bigger laws that can be found in nature, what we're calling nature is like human logic or human reasoning, uh, people will ultimately, and societies will ultimately, tend to do what they feel is correct at the moment. Maybe in one generation they'll feel abortion is awful, which is what they did even when I, I can remember when I was young, I mean, abortion was like, it was like off the charts and the Roe versus Wade was in the seventies. Um, and euthanasia certainly wasn't talked about then until later as a, as a, you know, real uh, legal option. 
you know, that some countries would be willing to, to assume. And, but yet now it is, you know, and it's, um, so these things slip and slide and change. And, you know, question is how, um, what about in the religious system? Does uh, the religious system is there to protect the timelessness of law, right? Because if it says it's divine, so the divine law should not change. That's another important fact about the way Jews uh, understand Judaism. That is that the divine law does not change. That's why it's divine. If, if we say the divine law changes, so then we have no divine law. We have no Torah. There is there's no God-given law. So if there is God-given law, the essence of it cannot change. The question will be then, what is the purpose of reasoning divine in divine law? What is the purpose, right? Isn't the purpose of uh, reasoning um, ultimately to be able to, what what is it? I mean, isn't it to, to play with it? Isn't it to adjust it? Isn't it to adapt or make it adapt? Why does a person ask why? Why is this law? Why? So for, first of all, I want to want to um, distinguish between how you ask why. I've always said this, and it's I find it to be true um, very often that there's two ways to ask why. Um, there's the, there's the why of distancing yourself from something, and then there's the why of bringing yourself close to something. Right? There's if if my mother. Um, well, if I was a child, <laughs> if, but if, when I was a child or a young adult and my mother said, please take out the garbage or take out the garbage. And I said, why? I'm not asking my mother, could you explain me the depth of your reasoning <laughs> of the purpose of the motivation of taking out the garbage? I'm not saying that. I'm saying, please get off my back. I don't want to take out the garbage. So I will ask why. Okay? So there is that kind of why. In when people question religion, also it can uh, very much surface. If people say, you know, they're kind of like scoffing or kind of like um, not really interested. A person has to ask themselves that question. It's not for the the fielder of the question to start, you know, questioning the motivation of why the person is asking why. But I think we could all ask ourselves, although, you know, why are we asking why? Are we asking why? because we're totally not interested and we just wish you would disappear with your things, you know, with your ideas? Or are we saying why because we really have a thirst, you know, we, and, and a curiosity at least to understand what's, what's being said? Mm -hmm. So at the start, I think that's also part of the, um, the, the behind-the-scenes situation at the reception of the Torah in, this, in the episode and that's talked about in this week's portion because the idea of Na'asev and Ishma is very much put in contrast to other possible reactions. If if I come to if my mother comes to me and says, "I would like you to take out the garbage," and I say, "Naasev and Ishma," like I'll do it. Afterwards, I'd like to ask you. After I do it, I'd like to ask you, you know, what the deal was with me taking out the garbage now? If I have some other option or whatever. So it's a totally different conversation because I'm willing to do it. And I'm, I'm, I'm putting the relationship that I want with you in this case, with my mother much uh, ahead of my own personal desire to understand whatever it is. Right. So it already frames the desire of understanding as not a, as a challenge to your, to you or a challenge to your authority or a challenge to my desire to relate to you. I want to relate to you, but 
I'm struggling with it, but I'm not struggling with so much that I'm going to reject what it is that you're saying to me. You see? This is all within the frame of the of the curious why. Right. I'm calling it like the uninterested why and the curious why. Right. So that's why the words Nasa Vanishma kind of reverberate in our tradition. Nasa Vanishma we'll do and we will hear or we will understand because it kind of contextualizes our whole relationship with with the Creator, if we understand that the, that the Creator is the source of the divine law, so then we want to explore it. We're, we're not we're not going to put ourselves even in natural law. We're not going to put ourselves in, on footing with God and say, "Well, let's see what it is, and then we'll see if we're going to do it." Because if I can go into the reasoning you know, the field of reasoning that way, I'll say, well, you know, if the reasons don't stack up in my mind and according to all I know about about human knowledge and wisdom, this does not make any sense at all. Therefore, I am not interested in engaging. Well, then a person can take that route, but that means a person is not willing to um, accept this relationship that's being offered to him by, by God, right? He could question if it is given by God at all. He could say, well, this thing makes so little sense that it couldn't have been given by God because my conception of God is that God is the uh, source of all knowledge, so this doesn't make any sense. Which if, this is kind of a crazy argument because that would mean that he, a person would know all of God's possible thinking. But Or a person could just say straight out, um, if, if a person is not engaged in religion at all, say, look, you know, this is not a God-given document because no God would say X, Y, Z. No God would say, don't eat meat and milk. What does God care if you eat meat and milk? Explain that to me. So you see that tone of voice is basically saying, I don't only reject this uh, this particular commandment or this you know, injunction, but it's also like it just shows me that this is ridiculous this whole this whole idea that this is a god-given thing it's a god-given document those those set of laws which we ascribe sometimes to as chukim as statutes are a lot a lot of times where the challenge lies right mm-hmm. it's, it's where the challenge lies and it's where also where we are we start questioning are the role of reasoning what is the role of reasoning in the torah mm-hmm. Something important that you said that I feel like you mentioned, but I, I just want to bring out and, and clarify because I think that's a really beautiful point. Um, the usage of why within the context of a relationship, meaning I think what you're what I'm hearing from you is that the whole um, godless of the godless, um, yeah, like the the Hebrew godlut, yeah, like the greatness? the greatness. Thank you. I was like, that's not an English word. <laughs> The greatness of an answer of Na'asa Vanishma will do it and will understand is because what you said before in, in context to the garbage and, and your mother is because this relationship is important to me, I commit myself to this relationship and therefore I will do what needs to be done to keep this relationship together. Um, and therefore, and, and then within the context of that relationship, um, asking questions that will help me understand more deeply the reasoning for things, which will, in my mind, bring always bring you closer. Mm-hmm. The the asking of why within the context of a relationship that is one of commitment should always be bringing you closer. Mm-hmm. And I thought that was a very good point. 
Right. Think about it in marriage. I mean, it's even you can bring it home a lot more. I mean, um, of course, we're not looking at our spouse as like a divine source, but we are looking at our spouse as someone, hopefully, that we want to consistently relate to and on a deeper and deeper way and level, deeper, deeper level. So if your wife asks you to do something and she means it, if, if it's, if it's, you know, goes without saying that, of course, you're going to do it. Um, then that's, you're talking about a totally different level. Once you come back with the question of like, you know, dear, um, you know, I, I did what you said to do, um, but I'd like to discuss it because, you know, it's like a totally different. If I'd like to understand more. Right. Why is this important to you? Right. If there's a, if there's a, even if it's conflict, in other words, even if there's some kind of a contradiction or some kind of a, uh, a, a, a confrontation going on, it's going to be at a totally different level once a person was willing to submit himself to the wishes of the other person, right? It's because you're showing that ultimately what's more interesting, what's more important to you is the relationship. I don't, I'm not going to contradict you or I'm not going to um, confront you to, at such a level that I like you asked me to do something and the answer is no right that's confrontation you know level one confrontation level two is I did what you wanted and I did it the way you wanted of course and now I'd like to talk about it and I really have a you know difference of opinion about this thing right it's to, it's a totally different level mm-hmm. right it's within the relationship right that's a that's a trick. I'm saying I understand what you're saying, but it's also there. There is space for no. So how would you how would you say no within the context of the relationship? Right. You know not, what I'm asking. Yeah. I I, I don't mean that to be right. So I'm saying because like you you went there and I was like what? It's like I mean ultimately in a, in a in a loving relationship, people aren't asking their spouses to do things that are ridiculous. I mean, if it's important for a spouse to not arbitrarily ask their husband or wife to do something, it means it means something to them, right? Mm-hmm. Now, who's to know if it's arbitrary or not? It's not. It's not. It's almost like uh, it's almost academic. I mean, the point is that the spouse asks the other spouse to do it. I mean, unless the person is a little bit deranged, you know, then he just gets uh, whatever, totally not, you know, logical or, or reasonable or rational. But if you're talking about two sane people and one asks the other person to do something, it, isn't that an invitation for closeness? I mean, you ask somebody to do something, they do it. That's that's a connector. Yes, because we're understanding that the reason I want someone to do something is because it means something to me. And when you do something that means something to me, I feel closer to you and we come together closer because it's that's what I'm saying. connecting in a meaningful moment. Right, because it's, if, an, if, it, if you have a relationship with somebody, they're not going to just arbitrarily ask you to do things. And even if it's what I'm calling arbitrary, if they say, could you pass the salt? I mean, you can get, you know, there's, there's this famous story and we're getting kind of getting off off the track here. We're talking about uh, marital relationships. But one of my instructors once said, you know, he knows of a couple that got divorced because of um, a tremendous uh, conflict in the, in the, in the, um, between them. Um, but the truth of the matter is that it started with this conversation and he said, um, uh, dear, could you pass the salt? And, this, and, the, and the wife said, the salt's right there. You can just get it. Just reach it. And he said, yeah, yeah but could you just pass, pass me the salt? 
<laughs> and then that's it. That triggered. I mean, it, he was just trying to bring across. Not that that necessarily was what created the problem, but but the point is, is that that's the point. You know, in other words, the there's the giving and taking. The giving and taking. And a lot of times, the way we give is by agreeing to acquiesce to you know this is important enough for you if it's important for, enough for you to ask me to pass the salt even though you can reach the salt yourself um means that if i give you the salt if i do what you i am connecting to you mm -hmm. if i say don't you know, why don't so then i'm i'm rejecting that possible that opportunity to connect so i'm 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 looking to step out somewhere mm -hmm. Yeah, um, so that's definitely one aspect of this. Um, I'd like to point out another aspect, which is, I think, uh, a deeper understanding I'm getting to feel about um, the, re the idea of reasoning. Um, <clears throat> first of all, a little bit of a backdrop. Um, reasoning, or giving reasons for commandments, is a very, very old tradition. It's a very, very old tradition. We have many, many great scholars who have uh, dedicated much of their time and written books about the reasons for commandments. And they have rationalized, so to speak, commandments, even of the sort of uh, divine law commandments. And also there's like, you know, uh, Ramban, right? Famously says that you have to understand God on a rational level. Right, like, well, you have to understand rationally that God exists. You have to be able to I think also the Kuzuri. Well, there are more. There are more the rationalist side. If you want to go there for a second, I'll, I'll just give you like a little bit of the underpinnings of like the, the, the philosophical argument. I mean, in the Mornavuchim, the Rambam, the Maimonides, he explains the very um, essence of this argument, which is he said. Like we had said before, there are those that say that if there's a divine source for something, then not only is it, uh, of course, a divine source, but it, it must remain divine. If you try to ascribe human wisdom to it, you're actually defiling. You're limiting it. Right. You're, you're defiling. It, right. It's not right. Because the highest level that can be manifest to humans is God's will. God's will is the ultimate connector. Let's call it that. So you submit yourself to God's will, punto, like period, right? Then that is the great connector, the greatest connector. And therefore, trying to ascribe our reasons that are petty, that are, you know, so lowly, that the things that you know, serve us today and perhaps tomorrow we won't even appreciate so much, which is true. A lot of times you can read reasons that were ascribed to mitzvot, to, to commands that, that to us don't resonate that much. Outdated or no longer applicable. Right, we can't, you know, that it doesn't certainly doesn't speak to us as much, right? Um, you know, reasons that you can read in the Maimonides himself, that he groups together things, you know. He'll even say, you know, the sidelocks, you know, that Jews, you know, we don't, we don't cut a certain way in the beard, and we don't cut so we don't use razors. These, these ideas he ascribes to... Um, the way of, of, the, of the Torah that's trying to combat idolatry. Now, it's very hard to connect to that idea today, right? So you know, we're not going to say it's false, but we're, it just doesn't connect. Right? It's hard to connect to it unless you really, really, you know, try to understand it in some way right? or another. Um, so what he says is that 
to, to talk, get back to the, the, the philosophical issue of reason or not reason, is that there's a school of thought that he said was even found amongst, you know, the great rabbis of old that said that the greatest level of connection is Ratzon, is uh, God's will, right? He himself said, Maimonides was a student of the idea that God's greatest manifested um, trait, so to speak, in this world is Chochmah, Chochmah, which is wisdom. So the great connector is through wisdom, not through, not only, let's say, through God's will, but through his wisdom and his manifest wisdom, which means when when humans can rise to um, and use their faculties to to understand what it is that they're being commanded, then they are ultimately connecting on the highest level. So so the giving of reason for the commands, even and even it's going to be very hard, especially and get very sticky sometimes because it just it doesn't lend itself sometimes to to, to understanding why. The struggle to know why is very noble because it's connecting you on the highest level that humans can connect to a command with, even with the divine source because it's through your intellect. It, 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 I feel like I, I lost it a little bit because a couple moments ago you said that the, the highest way a human being can connect with God is through God's will, doing God's will. Two, there are two points of view here. This is a discussion. It's, a, it's, it's an argument. Okay, so just clarify it for me because I lost myself. That, that's that position. You either connect to God through the highest level through doing his will. Maimonides is saying, I'm taking a different route. I do not agree with these um, sources or, you know, you can find them in other religions too, but, but Christian religion for sure. Um, but even amongst the rabbis of old, there was the position that like there's no point in ascribing reasons to to mitzvot to commands because it's, because we're human and we'll never really understand divine commandments so we're just such as that's useless it's like it's almost like an affront mm-hmm. it's like we can't possibly it's understand. about submission it's about submission now that kind of sentiment is very much echoed in, in church thinking and christian thinking um jewish thinking eventually prevailed to be that the highest connector is through wisdom which is the second position Yes, which is a second position, which is I'm putting the two positions as the Rambam in his Guides Perplexed discusses it there. Mm-hmm. After he discusses it and he goes into it at length, then he spends a long time going through all of the commandments of the Torah and supplying reasons for all of them. Because he felt this was very important. This is a key. Like we need to have an approach to commands that is somewhat rational. We have to have a way to hold on to it. I would imagine, though, that even with all the reasoning that we do, there's there's a certain humility that even with all our reasoning, we're not coming to the truth about why we do God's commandments because we can't possibly understand on the fullest extent. Right. So that's important to point point out at this point, at, at right now, because we had just uh, we had said in the in the beginning of the podcast that. As humans, we have to be humble enough to say that the engaging in reasoning of, of a divine command is ultimately to connect us to it. It's not to question what the motivation is. We're not, we're not going to know the motivation. It's a curious. It's a curiosity then. Like we can't put ourselves in God's shoes and say, this is why it was. Right? Mm-hmm. You put it, right? But once it's there, we can turn it this way and look at it that way. 
and put it in this context and that context and, and, and really look at it from different angles and come up with different ways to appreciate it, right? You might not know fine art, right? But you can, if you walk into a museum, you look at the painting in different ways. And if you, you start to learn a little bit about painting and about the, a little bit more, you start seeing more and more, right? And that's just painting. That's just like a two-dimensional thing. But certainly other things, certainly life, right? And commandments that we discussed last week, which which is really just about living life, right? It's about to enhance our understanding of living life. It's it's certainly these ideas that interact with life are there to be analyzed. And uh, when we supply reasoning for it, it's kind of like a way of like intermeshing it with, with everything else and giving you a great appreciation, which is ultimately the way you connect. Now, I just want to say that this is a very, very, very basic issue, and there are a lot of different ways to describe what we're talking about and to explain it. And in today's day and age, we kind of miss both of these ideas all the time. There's a person's coming to do a command, he's, he's trying to connect to a divine command in the Torah. Um, there is this idea of submission, because ultimately it's like Nasa Vinishma. You're saying, look, I want to do it because I want to connect to you. I want to connect to the source. That's the main thing. I'm going to use my faculties to the best that I can to try to understand this because that's a, also a great connector. So I don't think it's like either or, right? I think in t in what's happened to us is like we try to take the best out of all of the old ancient arguments. If we don't take one position over the other, we kind of like take the best that we can from both. Um, and um, so even though there might be those sages of old who might say that it's not worthwhile writing reasons for 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 commands for mitzvot, um, we're going to have be hard pressed to really take that right. But we but when it comes to the actually fulfilling of mitzvot, we're going to also want to la lock latch in to to that wonderful feeling of just like putting the relationship higher than whatever it is that we're thinking. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? Doing it for the relationship. Right, because there's this risk that if it's all about what I'm thinking, then if I'm not in the mood to really, you know, understand today, or if my understanding today changes from what it was yesterday, um, I stand the chance of, like, messing up my relationship. Just like if you're not in the mood, if you're, like, really tired and hungry and you walk in, and you walk into your uh, uh, home and, um, and and your wife asks you to do something and you say, you know, like... I don't even understand where you're coming from, you know, because I'm tired and hungry and, uh, and therefore just ignore her. Right. So that's a mess you're in, right? Because you're not realizing where you stand and why it is that you're all of a sudden not connecting. And it's because you're basing your connection with her on your ability to understand her. Right. Mm -hmm. And in the moment you under you say that it's not about me and my understanding to understand her, even though that helps a lot, it's just about me being devoted to this relationship. And by me, you know, going past what it is that I understand at this moment and saying, you know, I, I just, I, I, I really love you, so therefore I will do whatever it is that you want me to do right now. That is a, a great um, expression of, of love, ultimately. Beautiful. So, so I just want to add one last thing to this thing because we keep you know, going back and forth. It's a very deep conversation, but 
there's a little piece to it that I think is nice, and that is like this. Um, there's this little statement that I actually was talking about it because I was helping a school cr create curriculum, and I was trying to explain to them why it's important for children to be independent learners. And what do I mean by independent learners? What I mean is that um, there's this great parable that's given in the beginning of the, to the Torah portion, which says that there was as if this, this conversation between God and Moses, which is like a conversation that reverberates throughout all the generations between a person and himself, a person being a teacher. And as a teacher, a person says to himself, let me just give over the information, you know. I'll give it over to them nice and just, just let them absorb the information, spit it back, I don't know, do whatever they want with information. But I don't have to, like, divulge so much about the information. I don't have to set everything out for them yeah, I don't have to give them all the reasoning behind why these things are, because a lot of times as teachers we feel like I'm just going to confuse them. You know, we start picking and choosing what it is that it's they need hard. to know. Uh, well, of course, <laughs> it's beyond it's beyond the level of the student. We're not talking about that. We're on the, on no, the not, not hard for the student, hard for a teacher. Right. For someone that's to actually, explain and what does it actually mean. And exactly. That, that's stuff. That's actually the expression of this of the source that it's like God saying to you know Moses is saying to himself well, I don't have to why should I bother to explain to them the reasoning behind all these laws I mean it's like it's why is it necessary the main thing is like we're saying the main thing is that they should do it which is true right the main thing is you say I do right and God so to speak comes to Moses and says no you need to express and teach them the reasoning as if it's like a beautiful set table with delicacies on it that people can pick and choose as they like, or we would say make moves, right? <laughs> make moves. Right. If, so, I mean, it's a very mundane example, but when we say make moves, it means like, you know, you understand what tastes you can expect from different things and you know how to mix and match things. So even though in the end you're just being fortified and, and, and getting nutrition from the food, but you can do it in a way that connects you to the food, assuming that was the idea, right? So, when you get reasoning, when, when you're supplied with reasons, I am giving like a vote of confidence into my to my student. I'm expressing that vote of confidence. I'm saying that ultimately this is going to best enhance both of ours, both of us in this relationship, right? Because we can I can we can feel ourselves as separate entities. I'm the giver, you are the receiver, but you are the receiver that's getting the most empower, empowered by also getting a glimpse, not a glimpse, but you're getting like, what's this about? Like, what is, what's the purpose here? What, how can I connect on my level as to what the, the reasoning is behind this thing? So, um, it's ultimately the, the purpose of reasoning in, in this, in this way of thinking is that it gives like the growth potential to the student, to the receiver in, in many different ways. Like now I can spin it, I can turn it, I can I can I can chew it, right? It's not just a command, it's not just a divine something, right? So it's an empowering tool, and it's an empowering tool that also endears us to the command and to the giver of the command because it's it's a it's like I said, it's a vote of confidence. It's saying you can be independent. And ultimately this is very connected with the other half, I guess, of the the Torah, which is called the Torah Shabbat, the oral Torah. The oral Torah meaning that it's the non-stagnant Torah. It's the non-written Torah. It's not. It's not fixed to words. It's the Torah that moves, 
the Torah that's given to generation to generation. It's given to human beings for them to struggle with and to adapt and to teach the next generation to all the, you know, um, opportunities and and um, different situations that present themselves. The reason why they, we we are entrusted to do that is along the lines of this this idea of like we have we're given the tools to to how to think about what the divine command means. So even the divine divine commands to get back to our how we started the podcast, even if it's divine divine, which means meat and milk, we can just throw up our hands and say we don't know why meat and milk. I mean, what what, what rational possibility um, is there to explain? why you can't eat meat and milk or cook meat and milk together. Yet we still, it's, you know, indefatigably, you know, we, our tradition will insist on trying to think about it. And we do think about it and we come up with things sometimes that are esoteric and sometimes not so esoteric. But we're, we're constantly, because we're concerned to create that connection and to take advantage of that, you know, independence that God is giving us and saying, yeah, go search it. I'm not, there's nothing I'm hiding here. Mm-hmm. If you can get in it, and understand that you will be enriched and you will be more connected. Right. I think that's so beautiful. And, and I find that that's, it's, I find it to be a two-way street though. Meaning I find it important to mention that um, just like it's beautiful that there is reasoning for things because it's, it shows that there is a richness behind it that's available to you to understand kind of like this buffet where you make moves and mix flavors and textures and crunchies and softs and make big things happening. And it's awesome. Um, I find a lot that a lot of what we're facing now when it comes to questioning and, and the why we do things um, is often presented very one way. Like I find it important to understand that there are reason that there is a rich reasoning behind the things that we do because it's available and it's beautiful and there's what to chew on and look at and I also think it's important then to realize that what already is given as reason isn't the reason I feel like that's something where I get stuck a lot people hear something and it doesn't resonate with them and because it doesn't resonate with it then the whole commandment just doesn't make sense because the reason given for it doesn't look appealing to me right. it doesn't taste good the moves aren't good right so it's it's i feel like it's important then to kind of understand and realize at that point if that reason doesn't suit you there are other moves to make mm-hmm. how else can i look at this how, what other reasoning can i find do i not even want to take that reason and do i just actually want to just say yes i'll do it for the relationship and that in itself is meaningful mm-hmm. right and that's ultimately why so many generations of scholars have continuously written more and more reasons because you can say it, you know, the Maimonides reason just doesn't, it doesn't talk to me. So you write a different reason. And then the more the Kabbalistic uh, trends will write Kabbalistic reasons and the more rationalist trends will more rational reasons and more uh, the social minded people, you know, about, you know, creating society will write, you know, things that have to do with creating a better society. And those people that are into individual spirituality will write things that have to do with individual spirituality. And the, and the commandments will resist all of that analysis. In other words, it doesn't, it doesn't fall apart because it's an invitation to continue analyzing it and giving it meaning. It, it will give you that meaning if you, if you, if you look for it, you look for it. Sometimes we're just, you know, we come up dry. Um, but if you, if you keep looking, you'll, you'll always find someone saying something 
at least in, in one point in our history, um, that breathed life into um, into commands that otherwise, you know, would be a closed book. Mm-hmm. Or your own reasoning or your own understanding. It's I find it so exciting to kind of give that flavor to and understanding to to commandments and Torah, especially after a couple of years of leaving seminary and we have a whole bunch of uh, seminary girls and yeshiva guys that come to our house for Shabbos. And usually you hear people spitting back what they hear and what they learn. And that's always great because you'll have to start somewhere and learning things. But I feel like the, the most exciting part of learning is when you start really making it yours. Like, it's so fun. Like, I don't have to take that position. I don't have to agree with that. Like, I'm sure there's other things. And if that doesn't make sense, then I can always look for something else. And having that, also, I feel like it's it's so empowering to how you said so beautifully that um, the commandments can withstand reasoning. I think that's amazing. I think there's a lot of fear when it comes to explanations, questioning, especially in the more, maybe more conservative um, side of education and stuff where there's a lot of grappling with questioning and, and how do we explain and how, let's just not go there, let's not touch that because we don't know the answer, we, we're not sure of the answer. And like, that's chill. You don't have to know the answer because there isn't the answer. And some people won't be satisfied with the answer that you give them but to give over the understanding that commandments can withstand questioning, I think is is incredibly powerful. Right. Incredibly we, powerful. Right. We don't we don't have to be more afraid than God was when he, you know, gave over his uh, his laws, and he entrusted humans also to give and develop laws. Um. Yeah. <laughs> There's a lot to be said on that, but. Uh, start another trend of thought train of thought sorry trendy (laughs) (laughs) we're chilling (laughs) all right well i just i did want to end this with a little bit of a disclaimer because i loved how you were describing um relationships and um and and, you know doing doing and, and going for the relationship i do just wanted to make a disclaimer that there's obviously boundaries and different things where there's always a give and take of understanding of when it's appropriate to say yes and no and who you're talking with just because this is public and it's important to say things like that. So, you know, if something doesn't feel right, you can always take it up with someone who can help you out. And um, that's always a chill. And just remember that it's just great. There's so many things to figure out and to find and to taste and to make moves on. So don't let that, don't let the fear of, of not not knowing or not finding or not hearing something that makes sense to you be a reason to kind of take that distancing why or to get paralyzed or to get paralyzed and kind of just be like i am in this relationship so let me figure this out because i want to know and you go in there with that full-on full send curious why but why as opposed to why <laughs> anywho bye everybody have a lovely weekend it's Thomas. <laughs>